0: We're thick
1: and greasy. That's us. I like it. Yeah, bald too, so.
0: Bald, old, white, thick and greasy. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Welcome to the Hopper Podcast.
1: (laughs) This is the Hopper Podcast. I'm William. And I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. William is a hospice chaplain. We've been friends for over 20 years. For that
0: amount of time, we've been having... Thoughtful, passionate, hospitable conversations about what is good and right and beautiful in the world.
1: Each week we pull an idea out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. We have uh, a friend of ours from St. Louis who's, who's listened to the podcast and a shout out to John.
0: Yeah, John um, wrote to us. And, yeah, he's a friend of ours from a long time ago. I actually haven't seen him in a long time, but he's awesome.
1: He was a part of a lot of our conversations those Sunday nights that the Hopper Podcast was born from. And he has uh, responded with some topics.
0: Man, has he responded with some topics. We can't get into all of them right now, but, man, he's got some great, great ideas. Yeah. He's also an artist, um, the the way that you are, um, and... Uh he he sent to us um his Instagram it's john paints stuff j o n paints stuff john paints stuff Look that up he's got some great yeah, pictures Yeah I there. looked at it
1: it's good Yeah yeah I enjoyed that John um, thanks, and, and we got a lot of topics here. You know, one of them we we've already recorded on tribalism. You mentioned, yeah, that's we forthcoming.
0: Li- that's right, we haven't released it yet, but we already had a conversation. He asked us to talk a little bit more about tribalism. He was listening to our first episode on mm-hmm. Christian nationalism, and it raised a lot of issues for him and for us too about uh, the tribalism that we have. And so he asked us to talk more about it, and it's exactly what we were thinking about doing. So we've already recorded that one, and
1: it's coming up, John. Hold your horses, because you, we're thinking on the same page. Yes, and as far as the, the prayer walking you mentioned, uh, uh, there's a whole big story there. You're right. You you sniffed that out. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I can tell you that it's it was born out of trauma. Um, I experienced a very toxic, controlling person who was wrecking... A church that I had helped start and was also damaging numerous relationships of friends of mine and their marriages. And I asked a few questions and then I was attacked. Um, and there was a campaign of slander and that damaged me and my family and uh, my career. And I was angry. So I spent time walking and praying. And from that, I really started to grasp the value of it. It was born out of necessity, but I realized at some point that that's what real living is about, connecting with God relationally, devoting yourself to Him every day, um, and I mean for a good long time. And so walking, is it, the physical part of it, the fresh air, the weather, um, and then just the the time with God, the relational time with God. Um,
0: yeah, you know, um, we, we may need to talk about that some more. Even, like, there's the uh, the background piece of it, of the trauma. I don't know how much of that you're ready to share with everyone right now. Probably not everything, because those that's really, really sensitive. But then also, um, I'm really curious, quite honestly, and I think from what John was saying, he's probably curious as well, maybe others, about... Exactly how you do it and what that means. Because I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that walks for an hour a day talking to the Lord. This may not be the right time and place for it, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, well, you've heard the hymn, uh, you know, Sweet Hour Prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, apparently, this was something that was done quite a bit. And you look at the monastics who, yes. who would pray the entire Psalter oh, yeah. in a day. And then it moved to a week, yes. and now I, I do like a psalm a day, you know? yeah. um, so we 're we're really we 're not what we used to be as far as our our devotion time, but Absolutely. this this is something that 's been done through the ages, no question about yeah. it, yeah, I, I
0: just want you to teach us that 's all
1: yeah, so uh, well, I just started walking, right, and yeah. I just started pouring it out, yeah, and then over the months, it started to take on some form. Mm-hmm. And I used roughly, if you're familiar with the ACTS, an acronym, yeah, adoration, course. confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Yeah. i kind of followed that. Yeah. And so I have a, a you know, I started addressing God by his names and I'm calling upon him by the covenant and his faithfulness and recognizing his character and the gospel first. Yeah. Um, then I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm praying about specific things i'm asking for healing in every capacity then it was just emotional and mental healing Mm -hmm. you know i was really angry yeah and i didn't want to take any vengeance but i've never been that angry before sure and it it was kind of a new experience and i had to figure out what to do yeah um and so i chose to to pray yeah and so i would walk and sometimes it was i mean it was vitriolic you know but if you read the psalms a lot of them are too yes they are and sometimes I was asking for justice, and other times I was saying, "Don't give me justice; I need grace." Um, and then you you have to work through that juxtaposition yeah. that you want other people to have justice, but you have grace. Yeah. And you, uh, there's just a lot of sanctification that takes place in that space. Yeah. Um, and then there's, uh, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm thanking, I'm counting blessings. Sure. And then there's uh, the requests from other people's health, the people in church, to things that people have asked of me yeah. to pray for them. And, yeah. um, what comes to mind is what gets prayed over. Yeah. Do
0: you pray out loud?
1: I, it's almost like muttering. So yes, uh, it's, i like to walk where no one's around Sure. and I do move my mouth and there is, it's quiet, but I am kind of praying out loud. Otherwise my mind will wander easier. Your mind still wanders from time to time. Sure. I may end up preaching a sermon instead of praying. Mm. Um, but even then I'm proclaiming the word to myself okay. or, yeah. um, you know, you're, or you're just working through something mentally at times and then you get back into praying. Yeah. And so it, it kind of, the discipline there is not to break the third commandment, which yeah. is, you know, to think of God in in a less than glorifying way. Right. Right. Um, using his name in vain. Yes. Um, so when when I'm praying, I have to recognize I'm walking with God, and I'm yeah. asking Him to walk with me. Yeah. Um, but it is intimate, and it is relational, and it isn't um, walking into a a grand cathedral. It's more of a a relationship.
0: Right. 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 Yeah. Well, good. Um, so if you've got more questions, if people have more questions, they can write to us at the Hopper at Gmail dot com. Yeah. We'll we'll try to address those. Uh John, thank you so much for writing into us. Um he also gave us a 5-star review uh nice. on Apple Podcast and so we always appreciate those. Um he says, "I used to have authentic, funny and edifying conversations with these guys in William's living room every weekend." I uh, you remember that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He says, "But sadly we all moved on and lost touch. What a great way to revive that tradition, funny and theologically informative." So, thanks John. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's good to hear from you, brother. Good to hear from you. We'll be in touch.
0: Dave, you are my pastor. And you became the pastor of our church just not real long ago. I was the pastor of a church for 10 years or so. And I've got incredible respect for pastors, far more than I did before I was a pastor. I don't know if God will ever put me back in that position. But it's tough. It's a a tough place to be, to be the pastor of a church. And uh, one of the things that... um, was hard for me as a pastor um, w- was helping people to realize the spiritual nature of being part of the church. Right. Um, I don't know if you've you've have you had experience with that.
1: Yes, I mean I w- I've been mostly in church planting. Yeah. Um, so as far as leading an established church and a session and all that is is I'm less familiar with, but the nature of trying to grow a community and its need to have Cohesiveness, yeah is, you know it's is, is a huge part of that,
0: yeah, yeah, one of the thing one of the questions that I always got, not always a lot, so much, was people asking the question, Why do I need to be a church member right? Have you heard that before? Sure, and so I've had to answer that question I mean just way more times than I would like to, and it's true that we don't see membership per se in the Bible, right. I mean, it, I say per se, there's not a word or a process that says, you know, th- this is church membership and how you right. do it, as, you know, different from becoming a Christian in general.
1: Yeah, it's not like a, a teaching didactic passage. Here is what you're going to do for membership. Um, but we do see some teaching on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I want to um, talk about with you
0: today yeah. to see if we're on the same page. I don't know. It's yeah. it's something that's helpful. Um one of the things that I have found helpful in explaining and talking to folks is church membership is um, the word member or membership. Uh, the Bible defines it. We get that word from uh, like members of a body, mm-hmm. and so and that's very different than most of the time in English, in contemporary English, when we use the word member. Usually, when we think of member, we think of like membership at a gym or membership in in a right. Um, You know, the uh, wine of the month club or something. Yeah,
1: something you can willingly do or avoid. Yeah,
0: Yeah. right, right, right. And in fact, I remember um, at a church that I was at, I was a pastor in Miami, an assistant pastor, and I remember we had a lot of new Christians, and there were folks who would say to me, members of the church, who would say, you know, I come to church when I feel like I'm spiritually weak. I need need to pick me up. Mm-hmm. And that's when I come to church. And so we would teach them in the membership class. Like, no, that's not what this is. Right. Um, but that's like going to the gym. Right. You know, I feel like, a, you know... A, yeah, I'm getting a,
1: flabby here. I need to work out a little bit.
0: Yeah. Let yeah. me get a trainer and trainer for my spiritual soul. And yeah. I'm going to go and, and uh, self-improvement in this sort of way. Yeah. But that's not what we see in the New right. Testament at all. It's membership more like uh, like the members of a body where we yeah. need each
1: other. Yeah. I think the the interesting part is um, I think the debate anyway is uh, we're all part. If you're if you're truly a Christian, you're part of the invisible church. Yes, uh, you're a member of the body of Christ. Right. Um, so then the debate comes in is are you going to be a member of the visible church? Right. And when there was only the one church, this was very important. Yes. Um, you uh, the means of grace and and what. It meant to be in the, the Christian circles. It, it meant everything. Yes. You, know, you didn't even have a Bible in your home, right? Uh, typically. And so now we have, all the, we have what, tens of thousands of denominations. Yes. And you can come and go from mm-hmm. any one of these and mm-hmm. get your spiritual needs met in some form or format, right, right. Uh, with all these different options. Right. And, and it leaves people wondering, what does it mean for me to be part of the visible church? Yeah. And But really, behind that is to say, well, what does it mean for you to be in the invisible church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, I'm sorry, you keep going.
0: No, I think that's exactly yeah. right. I think that's, that's a big part of it. But, but even the invisible church is kind of a, uh, hmm, I don't know how to put this, a theological category right. that is theoretical that the New Testament doesn't talk anything about. Right. Well, it talks about our membership in Christ. Sure. Yeah. But the, when it talks about that, it's almost always talking about in connection to a community, a community of believers. Yeah. The concept that there would be a Christian who is not integrally involved in the membership of a local church, is just incomprehensible to the New Testament. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Lord has uh, put two... Um, governing authorities in the world for communities of people, one is the government, the state government, mm-hmm. to create laws and to restrain evil and to promote the common welfare right and then the other is the church and we have to and, and the scripture tells us to submit to the gov those two governing authorities, and when we think about it that way, membership in the church is like citizenship with our uh with whatever country we're members of. So mm. we're Americans of course and uh-huh. so you know I've got a US passport, USA passport. I assume you do too. I do. um uh, because we've traveled internationally. So that when we go internationally I'm still a citizen of the United States and that passport proves that I'm a citizen of the United States. I've been, you know, vetted right. by the government officials. And church membership, I that's how I see church membership in operating in the New Testament the same way. That is that when you become a member and the elders say or whatever the mechanism is in your particular Mm -hmm. church, they say, yes, you are a Christian, you are a member of this church, then that is the evidence, that's the passport that says that I'm a part of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. I think it's very important.
1: I think it's certainly important when it comes to the marks of the church, Yes. Um, the word sacrament and discipline. Yeah. Um, you know we don't we don't discipline folks who aren't members of the church. Right. Because um, we're saying you need to come forward and say we we want to be uh, in your oversight. Right. Right. We want to have that oversight. We want to make sure that if something's going off that you're helping us stay on track because we know we can deceive ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's a different place of humility yeah. right, than someone who's saying, I'm going to participate as long as it's serving my perceived purposes. Ah, see. Yeah. Um, you need help. Yes. And if you recognize that, then a membership provides you the opportunity to have pastors and elders kind of looking over your life, your marriage, what have you. Um, and helping you, and the purpose there is not to go get you, um, or to cause you harm. It's it's for your good. Yeah. Um, but that's not the way a lot of people in society think of it.
0: That's right. And you're touching on what I think in the New Testament is the most, um, the strongest application of church membership, mm-hmm. namely that uh, many times in the New Testament we hear commands that we are to submit to our leaders. But if I'm not a member of a church, then who are my leaders? Right. And we also, uh, likewise, see lots of places in the New Testament where commands are given to the elders and other leadership of the church um, to take care of the flock to which God has given you, um, which God has given to you. Well, if you're not a member of the church, then you're not part of that flock that those leaders are responsible for. They need to know who's in their flock and who's not. Right. And so those, those clear demarcations are very important and assumed, I think, by the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're right. If, if I'm in charge of my own spiritual development, then I can never develop in my blind spots.
1: Correct. And, uh, and the, the Scripture says that our hearts are deceitful. Yes. Right? They deceive us. Uh, the inner workings of our heart, we can, we can convince ourselves of things that serve our purposes, even unknown to our our conscious mind. Yeah. And and when are you deceived? When you know it or when you don't? <laughs> right. Yeah. So that means I, I need help. Yes. And that's, now that is very easy to argue from Scripture, the plurality, right? That Absolutely. We need multiple people coming together to help us navigate. Um, and all the pictures of, of Christ's body, I mean, the 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 body with different parts in Corinthians. Yeah. You know, Ephesians talks about us all being like a brick in the mm-hmm. in the temple mm-hmm. where God dwells by his exactly. Holy Spirit. Exactly. That we are we are pieces of a whole mm-hmm. and Jesus is the head. Yes. And so we need each other. We can't say, I have no need of you, Paul yeah. said. First Corinthians twelve. Right? Yeah. We can't say that. We, right. we do need each other mm-hmm. because uh, we don't have all the gifts and we don't have all the vision or understanding or wisdom to even discern what we're doing and why we're doing it at all times. Mm-hmm. We need help with that. And even even leaders in the church, that's why there's a plurality of le- yes, in our that's denomination. Right. We believe in a plurality. Absolutely. We don't have a bishop or a pope uh, who doesn't answer to, you know, we we want people who are... In plurality, helping one another see—that's right—with with no authority that's going to tell people how it's going to be. Right. Yeah. And that—that's a good thing.
0: It is a good thing, um, but it means that all of us need to have people who we are giving the right to say, um, confront me when I need to yeah. be
1: confronted. Speak into my life. That's I right. I need it. And yeah. and
0: I will allow you to form me, and we can form each other. And that takes a. A real commitment, a covenant commitment. Yeah, and that's what church membership is
1: about—something for the hopper. Okay. Um, the the other issue there is that there is rampant religious abuse. Oh my goodness! Yes. Yeah. And so oh, people who yeah. take their leadership role and their power and and work people over with. Oh it. my word! This is a huge problem. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's let's not talk about that right now because okay. you yeah. have been scarred by it, and so have I. Yes. Um, in serious, life-altering ways for both of us. Yes. We have been abused by people in authority, and many others have as well. And so I'm with you 100%. I, right. I, that I, is obviously not the way it's supposed to be. But nonetheless, I still, even scarred as I am by that, it, the abuse of a thing doesn't mean the thing itself is bad. Right. And so I need to submit to leadership even when I don't like it. I don't need to submit to abusive leadership. That's a different topic. But all of us need to submit to leadership, even when we don't like it. And that's what those covenant vows are about that we take in uh, membership. Right. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that's tough. It is. It is. It's tough, I think, because we are so, as Americans especially, um, we are so individualistic. I want to be in charge of my own... You deserve a break today. And, you know, it's self, you know, um, I'm I'm wearing a watch that gives me my heart rate at all times, (laughs) right? I have data on myself on how I can improve myself, and I want, you know, my relationship with my doctor, and with my dentist, and with all, and and with my mentor, and with my, it's all me-driven. It's all this, so I can do it all myself. But that's not how spirituality works, is it? Right. Okay, Dave, I just showed to you uh, the TikTok sensation of the sea shanty, the Wellerman. Yes. Um, I have never been on TikTok. I, I have never seen the app, but I, I you know, I watched it on YouTube. And when I discovered this, I forget where I heard it, but oh my gosh, I love this song. Hmm. Um,
1: it's just really, really fascinating to me, this old um, wailing song. What do you think of it? I liked it. I enjoyed it. I like whoever brought it together with all the different people. This is a great time in uh, history and technology. Where There's amazing things that are happening that people can uh, can do these videos from all these different folks from all over the world. Yeah.
0: It's fascinating. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I can't get enough of the Wellerman. In fact, um, I, we were watching it up here upstairs in my house, and, and my son Sam came up because he heard us playing it. He wanted right. to, to, to yeah. come and dance with it and stuff. Yeah. But it's really interesting. One of the things I think as I have reflected on, why in the world do I like this so much? And why is not just me? But I mean it's a TikTok sensation and YouTube and now the guy's quit his job and he's got a recording contract and it's all this. He didn't write the song. It's a yeah. A, you know, hundreds of years old, an old New Zealand whaling song that you know, mm-hmm. the, and there are tons and tons of these songs of sailors that are just trying to get through the day and make the work right. um you know, distract their Marable. minds from the mind numbing -hmm. Work in, as well as I think the like incredibly dangerous, you know, that uh, it could be that we die before we get home because the the kind of work that they were doing was so dangerous. And so, camaraderie and songs, and they would sing these, these, uh... okay. I got to thinking about this. What is it that attracts me? I'm not, I don't want to be a whaler. I'm not much of a singer. Right. (laughs) You know, I'm not in a situation where I'm trying to distract my mind from being, you know, a dangerous work or something. And what I've come to is, I think. Uh, that this is um, a kind of song that is um, a white person's analog to the old Negro spirituals okay, from Slave Days yeah. out in the field. And what I mean is that this is backbreaking work... Now, I don't want to minimize the distinction between slavery and freedom. That is massive. And yet, okay, um, yeah, I don't want to dismiss that. However, both of these jobs were backbreaking work for the poor, for the oppressed, and it was a way for them to get through the song. And it was very, very communal. And that song and the other Wailing songs, if you listen to them, Mm -hmm. are very much. they sound similar. That's it's a, it's a hmm, They sound similar. What I mean is that there are sections of the song that everybody sings, that the entire ship, the entire right. field can sing. But then whoever is your best singer takes the verses mm-hmm. and just shouts it out. And they're these very simple, catchy tunes and if you got two people who can sing you got one person takes primary and someone sings you know a, a harmony to it but then the section hits that of the song where we all sing together right. and no one is left out and it's very very communal that way you don't need instruments yeah. and you can do it while you're working yeah and uh, you and I are both white and we're both um, have significant touches with african american churches with right. black churches and with black people and we're not black. We are. I'm not ashamed of being white. I'm ashamed of what a lot of white people have done, including myself, in uh-huh. terms of in, in terms of race. But God made me white. God made you white, and that is our culture. I don't want to pretend that I'm, you know, right. part in the African American tradition. I'm not, um, and I love that tradition. But it's not my tradition. And but this is a kind of our mu- the music tradition of the white people is Beethoven and Mozart, and that's beautiful. But I can't be a part of that. <laughs> I can't be a part of that. Yeah, this is something that so that is very hyper individualistic. Mozart, Beethoven. We can, you know, we'll, we'll pay someone to be our musician for us mm-hmm. and to uh, record music and to play music, and then this is my music, right? Where um, the African American spirituals and then also these wailing songs. I don't pay someone to sing. What I do is I uh, I sing along. I mean, even someone like me. Can be invited to sing along, and yeah. I think this is this is what that is. And I think um, there's been a backlash among young people to this hyper individualism um, among white people, right? Uh, young white people to be more collective in the way that they think about things, and this is the kind of music that's speaking to them.
1: Hmm. It's interesting you bring that up. I definitely uh, the whole global community piece of yeah. what I said when you know yes. when you asked me my response. Yeah, um, and yes, I, I've spent significant time in the african-american church and oh, yeah. in multi-ethnic yeah. churches and that is one of the biggest things i've learned that i was not getting in the anglo circles yeah that there is a suffering community yes. that is seen in the music yes in the attitude there is a a, a sense of of the 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 oneness of everybody that i it was foreign to me yeah um and they invited me right in mm. they showed me great mm. respect mm. and honor as a human being yes and um and i i never felt on the outs yes. um they they've always they're trying to bring me right into the midst of that even though um it's not it's not my history or my past um and i learned that they they Sing these songs together as worship to God, yes. a lot of the, of the old spirituals, yes. um, and it has to do with hanging on, yes, suffering and waiting for Jesus, yes. and the need to rely on each other. And um, if you... You know, when you go to an African American church, there is a heavy emphasis on thanking God yes. that you got out of bed, yep. that you were able to yep. get to church. Mm-hmm. They're not taking the little things for granted. That's right, and I love that as well. And my yes. kids have told me, "Dad, they're so grateful." Yes, you know, we've I've taken them to to many, many, many services oh, in yeah. African American church, and they they're they're overwhelmed with the, how how grateful mm-hmm. and and the, yeah, the the sense of community. Mm-hmm. The suffering community that that stays together and worships together. We need more of that. Mm-hmm.
0: We definitely need more of that. And I think the the Wellerman, that's the um, the song, uh, speaks almost exactly to what you're talking about. It's a story that if you you probably you've heard it one time, right? Uh, so you, and right. it's a very strong accent that the guy has. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go back and listen to it, it's an actual story about a whaling ship, right? And the Wellerman is a person who would come to. Um, br- to resupply the ship so that they, don't, they can stay out there longer. Um, and so the chorus is, Soon may the wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. And that's, I mean, they're not waiting for the Lord, but they're waiting for a Savior. Right. Um, someday when the tongue is done, we'll take our leave and go. That's the end of it. So- soon this work will be done. Right. And we'll be able to rest. That's what that song is. Right. Soon the wellerman will come to to bless us, and soon the work will be done so we can rest. That's yeah. so many African-American songs. Absolutely. The, the hymns. Yep. Uh, that, I've, that I know and that I've experienced. Yeah.
1: Born out of that history of oppression and um, the place where they could come together to worship and be uh, not a minority, not a slave. An That's opportunity right. to be right. with people who know them and know their level of suffering. Right. Know the, the, what it feels like. Um it's not just I'm explaining this to someone else this person has been in the trenches with me. Yes. Like it's like when war buddies come back from the, exactly. being in the same foxhole that's right. they have a bond that that is that oh, undeniable yeah. and is amazing. Yeah, stronger than brothers and families.
0: And that's that's the the slaves in the field and it's also the workers on a whaling ship that like nobody and and the and the soldiers in a foxhole you just can't understand it. It's not just not possible. There's no way to explain it. And so, but we can write music about it where well, we can share.
1: And you know, I, it's interesting. As I suffered deeply mm-hmm. um, at the hands of a very controlling white man yeah. or men, yeah. um, I really started to identify and understand mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. of what it means to be a part of that. This is during years that I'm attending this church, yes, and and it going to the 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 men in the church and yes. saying. Uh, Help me with the anger. Yes, I know that you've had to suffer. I know this. Yes. How are you um, dealing with the anger? And he said to the black leaders of the church. Yes, and and uh, some of them said, "Well, you know, uh, some of us aren't doing well with the Mm -hmm. anger, Mm -hmm. as you can Mm -hmm. as you can see in society." But said, "But uh, I have just, you know, this this one fella that, that I talked to about this." He suffered. He told me some of his story, Mm -hmm. and it was wrong what was done to this man. Um, And and he endured it with his eyes on the Lord. And I say this is a spirituality Mm -hmm. that I don't see much, if any, in Anglo America. This is that kind of trust and surrender Mm -hmm. to uh, to really give it all. To the Lord and say, "I can't fix this. Mm. This is who I am in this society. I'm gonna. I'm going to look to Jesus." Mm-hmm. Um, that was so helpful to mm. me mm. at the time of intense anger. Yeah, um, and that is a spirituality that that probably comes from a community of people that understand and stick together through it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm, mm, mm. And there's no question that the Lord has brought them through because nothing else could have yeah yeah it's there's I, I don't feel the anger that I used to now um, and I don't think that you do as much either but it's um, how can I say uh, I can still identify with the struggle and the hoping and the longing for Jesus yes. and for redemption. And that is never going to go away, and I'm glad for that. That's, that's a good thing. And I think when I heard this, this song, The Wellerman, uh, I, I don't know. In one sense, I don't feel like I have a right to sing the slave songs myself, uh-huh. but
1: I do have a right to sing this one Yeah. somehow. Yeah, I, I miss going to the African-American church because yes, I, I felt like they, yes, they well invited me in. Yeah. And I, although I don't feel like I had a right, I did have that that growing identity. Yes, and and saying I, I'm getting this more and more. I'm yes. getting what you've been through. Yes, and where these songs come from, and, and how you were, how you view community. And yes. as I, the more I understood that, that, it was infectious to me. Right, oh, I wanted yeah. more of it, and and it's a struggle to not have it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, being back in an Anglo church.
0: I understand completely. If yeah. our our church was searching for a pastor and we found you a few months ago and if we had not found you, Catherine and I talked about uh, we we could need to find an African American church hmm. and get back into that. Yeah. Cuz that's been a big part of our story and that's anyway. Yeah. So I mean, now we're both stuck with each other. <laughs> Again,
1: a couple bald white guys. A couple bald old white guys. <laughs> Thick and greasy. Oh man. <laughs> you should explain where thick and green uh, maybe i'll explain where you where explain thick and it because gre- yeah. I, I think you remember it better i, I yeah. i've got a vague memory of it but yeah so uh you and catherine stayed in our house and um and and you stayed f- i guess i don't know how long we were gone but you were kind of house you were
0: out at, well this is why we were in seminary yeah yeah together and you would go on a trip with chip yeah yeah
1: and um and catherine said she wanted to apologize in advance for what you were going to do to the pillowcase <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. that. Yes, that yes, yes, yes. Uh, that uh, that uh, Willie's greasy, and yeah. he's going to grease the pillowcase. And Chip's like, so is my husband. He greases his pillowcase. And um, <laughs> so we were greasy. We're, the, our yes. wives agreed we're greasy. greasy, it's Awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Um, and then the uh, seminary had a flag football season, and yes. I was on a team. And someone said to me, uh, you know, you'd be good at tackle football because you're thick. <laughs> <laughs> and also again like thank you yeah uh, um, is that a, that's a real backhanded compliment yeah I don't. Know. Uh, just how thick am I? I, yeah. you know, I I was thin when I was younger I was very thin yeah,
0: I, I'm thicker than but... you are right now
1: so we can be thick and greasy we're thick and greasy that's us I like it yeah bald too so
0: bald old white thick and greasy there you go welcome to the Hopper Podcast
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the Hopper Podcast what did we miss? What do we get wrong? What ideas should we put in the Hopper? You can write us or send us a
0: voicemail at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an issue. And if you like it, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so that more people can find the Hopper Podcast.